We love to explain quantum physics and the mysteries of the universe, but the mysteries of finance, not so much. Intuit helps you demystify your finances through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Understanding standard deductions or interest rates can be very complicated and tricky with big potential consequences. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota. Let's go places. Hey, Daniel, what do you think would happen if something in the night sky suddenly did something totally new? Mm, like wiggling and shaking or dancing around or something? <laughs> doing the floss, the star floss. <laughs> I mean, like what happens if a star suddenly started doing something it had never done before? Ooh, uh, you know what I would think. That this would be an amazing opportunity to learn something new about the universe? Mm, nope. <laughs> this is an amazing opportunity for a major discovery? <laughs> Only if we're talking about discovering aliens. Hi, I'm Jorge, I'm a cartoonist and the creator of PhD Comics. Hi, I'm Daniel Whiteson. I'm a particle physicist and I really, really want to believe in aliens. <laughs> You're an alien enthusiast or an <laughs> alien or a professional alien believer? I'm a believer enthusiast. I'm enthusiastic <laughs> about people who believe in aliens. <laughs> who do it professionally. <laughs> Is somebody out there paying people to believe in aliens? Because I want to sign up for that. Or maybe that's this job right here. Well, welcome to your weekly career conspiracy advice <laughs> podcast. Daniel and Jorge explain the universe, a production of iHeartRadio. In which we talk about all of the amazing and crazy things about the universe. We explain to you how the universe really works, all the stuff that's happening out there in the center of stars and here on Earth and inside the tiny little particles in your fingertip. That's right, all the things that we can explain about the universe and all the things that we cannot currently explain about this weird and mysterious universe. Only some of which we chalk up to aliens. <laughs> Only some. Do you have a giant column in your <laughs> physics organization? I'm only allowed to declare aliens two times a day. So if I already used that explanation twice in one day, then I got to come up with actual <laughs> physics theory to explain what I'm seeing. Oh, no, you actually have to work. Yeah. No, like, oh, that program didn't work. Must be the aliens. 
<laughs> That's right. My my latte is too cold. Aliens. <laughs> lattes. Who drinks lattes anymore, man? That's still a pre-alien beverage. Almond milk lattes. Yeah. <laughs> when the aliens come, I wonder what kind of coffee beverage they will like. Uh, hopefully, not human coffee. <laughs> uh, are you saying like human milk? Like they don't want cow milk or almond milk. They <laughs> no. want like human milk. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> like, they don't want to. Hopefully, they don't want to brew us. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> I see. Well, I think I'd rather be, uh, you know, on a human dairy farm than on a human coffee, than, oh, than the source of human coffee. But anyway. Yeah, let's not, <laughs> let's not go into, let's not go into uh, apocalyptic This is a lactose-free podcast. That's right. Human lactose-free podcast, please. <laughs> I think most people would vote for that. That's right. But, you know, if we're talking about discovering aliens, then that's mostly about looking out into the universe and seeing some crazy stuff. And, you know, we haven't yet, of course, discovered aliens, but we have learned a lot of amazing stuff just by looking out into the night sky. Yeah. And I think the way we would discover something like that is by looking at the sky and then seeing if weird things happen. Like if you know, suddenly things change or things things happen that don't seem natural. Yeah, we talked once on the podcast about a really strange star that seemed to be obscured. It was almost like somebody was building a huge superstructure that was blocking the light between that star and us, like a Dyson sphere. And that's the kind of thing that you might see if you keep looking out into the universe and watching stars and looking for sort of unnatural phenomena. Right. And sometimes those phenomena can lead to pretty interesting scientific discoveries, even if they're not about aliens or alien lattes. That's right. In 1987, we saw a supernova go. And that was the first time in sort of modern astronomy that we got to watch a supernova happen. Not in real time, of course. It happened, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago. But the light from it arrived here on Earth in 1987. And we learned a tremendous amount about supernovas and how they work and what happens by getting to watch that one. Really? It was only 1987 that we saw our first supernova? Or I guess maybe with a telescope. Yeah, that was the first one that uh, that came in the era of our modern awesome telescopes. So astronomers saw a few supernova earlier this century. We have records of supernovas sort of like in the Antarctic ice where they deposited all sorts of crazy radiation um, going back hundreds of years. But a sort of modern supernova watching in 1987 was the first really sort of big science supernova. And we should do a whole podcast episode about what we learned about science from that one supernova. Oh, I see. So that's the kind of thing that astronomers do is they look at the sky and they kind of, you know, check all the marks there and on their list of how how things should act. But then if they see something new, then that's something worth exploring more, right? Yeah. And that's something sort of fundamentally different about astronomy and astrophysics than the rest of physics. Like a lot of us in physics, we make experiments happen. I want to know what happens when a proton smashes another proton. Well, I go and I do it. I smash two protons together. But if an astronomer wants to know what happens when you crash one galaxy against another one, you can't build a galaxy collider, right? That's sort of impractical. Instead, they just watch it happen in the universe. They look out into the universe to see their experiment happening. Wow, did you just call a whole field of physics couch potatoes? Is that basically what you're saying? <laughs> you're like, those guys just sit around in their couches in Hawaii looking up at the sky and wait for things to happen. Yeah, the equivalent is like if you had some other physicist, you're like, I really wish this experiment would happen. Maybe I'll just sit in my living room and wait and see if it happens in front of me. That's basically the plan. <laughs> 
as opposed to particle physicists who uh, <laughs> endanger the whole human race by building things that might create black holes. In hey, the wouldn't of the you Earth. rather study a nice little black hole close to home than one super far away you can barely see? <laughs> I think I would rather stay away from black holes <laughs> as much as possible. All right. Well, that's good to know. <laughs> it's a very powerful couch that they're sitting on. They get to see the entire universe. And the amazing thing is that basically anything you want to watch happen is happening out there somewhere in the universe. Neutron stars are crashing into each other and all sorts of strange galaxies exist. They can't make things happen, but, you know, they have a view to one of the greatest tests of experiments in the history of the universe. Yeah, it's quite a drama going on out there in the universe. And so today we are going to be talking about one such discovery or one such phenomenon that we're seeing out into the night sky that is kind of weird, it's inexplicable almost, and uh, totally weird and might be, um, who knows, of some weird alien origin. <laughs> it might be. I think almost anything can be categorized as potentially of alien origin, uh, which is one reason why <laughs> yeah. I, I love that explanation. But this is yeah. something that's been capturing the minds of astronomers and even popping up in the news media recently. There's something weird happening with one of our favorite stars in the sky. That's right. So today on the program, we'll be tackling the question. Is Beetlejuice blowing up. That's right. And we don't mean blowing up on social media. It's not going viral. Um, but, you know, just like anything that's blown up on social media, you do have to wonder, is it about to die? And so we're going to be talking about the, the star Beetlejuice, right? Not the Broadway play musical, not the movie with Michael Keaton, the, the <laughs> original Beetlejuice. That's right. And not some weird new beverage that Gwyneth Paltrow is pushing on people when you squeeze <laughs> beetles um, as, as to stimulate your alkaline uh, intake in the morning. I think her beetles are sustainably and humanely squeeze. <laughs> They're gently massaged to get a little bit of one <laughs> drop of juice out of each beetle every day. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's not its not actually beetle juice. It, it's actually a different spelling. It, or is it, uh, it, it's kind of an old word, right? It, I think it's, isn't it originally like the name of a demon or something? Uh, yeah, it comes from Arabic, I think. And so it has nothing to do with beetles or juices. Um, mm. It looks like you might pronounce it like betel goose. Or something, but it's pronounced mm. Beetlejuice. Yeah, so it's just let's just of, go with that Beetle Goose. <laughs> that sounds like the name a, of a my character in D and D or something. That <laughs> sounds like it's like a, sounds like a different Gwyneth Paltrow product. <laughs> I'm gonna roll my 47 sided die to cast a spell for my wizard Beetle Goose. <laughs> While you're playing with Gwyneth Paltrow, <laughs> I don't think Gwyneth Paltrow plays D and D, but you know, I don't know. I don't know. I shouldn't say. You never know. I yeah. never know. Maybe she listens to the podcast. No, but there are a lot of people have been watching this star and noticing something really strange happening with it recently. And uh, that strange thing is that it's actually dimming, right? It's like somebody is uh, slowly turning it down. <laughs> You're imagining some sort of cosmic dimming switch and somebody yeah. just sort of dialing <laughs> on it the down. On the wall of the universe, there's a giant <laughs> little knob. <laughs> Who's playing with the dimming switch? There's some <laughs> alien dad out there is yelling. Or maybe it's connected to the universal Alexa, you know, and you, mm. somebody's like, Alexa, mm. dim Beetlejuice. No, Beetlejuice is a huge star. It's an enormous, super giant red star, and it's very bright in the sky. It's one of the, or it used to be, one of the 10 brightest stars in the sky, and now it's been dropping. It started in October 2019. It's been dimming, 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 and nobody knows why. Okay, so we were wondering, and it sounds pretty recent, October 2019. That's It's, it's a pretty recent Oh yeah, we are topical update. on this show. 
Yeah. I mean, months. I mean, to a physicist, that's like on the dot. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> Maybe in a few months you'll come up with a response. <laughs> go. Give me until October 2020. I'll come back with a really clever comeback. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Something involving how cartoonists are always on deadline. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we are, yeah. Uh, and so it's a um, recent development. And so we were wondering how many people out there knew that one of the stars in our sky, a famous one even, Beetlejuice, is actually dimming. So I walked around campus and I asked students at UC Irvine, fresh back from their holiday break, if they knew what Beetlejuice was as a star, if they had heard it was dimming, and if they were worried about a potential supernova that could fry their eyebrows off. And so here's what people had to say. I think I've heard of it before, but I don't know or remember much about it. Did you know that the star appears to be dimming in the night sky? No, I didn't know that. I have, yeah. Did you know that it's dimming dramatically? I did not. Are you worried about it? Not really. No? Okay, no. Cool. Yes. Did you know that it's dimming in the sky dramatically? <laughs> no. Does that make you worried? Should I be? <laughs> Is it a red star? I forgot. Yeah, it's a bright red star. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm a little bit worried. I think I've heard of it, but like I have no idea anything about it. Okay, anything. did you know that it's dimming in the sky like right now? It seems to be fading. It is? Yeah. Does that make you worried? Not too much because I know like stars die and stuff all the mm -hmm. time, but it's still a little concerning. Star bio juice? No. Mm, sorry, no. Mm -hmm. No. So you didn't know it was dimming in the sky? No. Does that make you worried? I mean, it doesn't sound like something that's worrying okay. like for me. It just sounds something very interesting now that you brought it up. So I would want to know a little bit more about it and what it is, and maybe then I could decide if it's worrying or not. <laughs> when they're dimming, doesn't that just mean their light is going away? So that star has been, that galaxy or universe or whatever it represents been dead for a while, so don't really think it affects us much unless okay. there's something I'm missing. All right, not a lot of um, concern or even a lot of people who had heard of this star. Yeah, I thought there was going to be sort of more penetration in the sort of general student population about this incredible astronomic event that's happening above our heads every single night. And we had a bunch of listeners to the podcast write in and ask us, hey, can you talk about what's going on with Beetlejuice? Explain it to us. So I was expecting the students to have maybe heard about it, but maybe they were too mm. focused on the start of classes and all their new homework assignments. Right. Or I imagine most college students now weren't even born when the movie Beetlejuice came out. <laughs> <laughs> that might be an issue also. Uh, but even when I told them about it, they seemed to feel like, you know, hey, this is a supernova that's going to happen somewhere super far away. So I'm not too worried about it. There's maybe a supernova involved here. But the main mystery is that Beetlejuice, you're saying, it recently in October started dimming like it was one of the brightest stars in the universe and then suddenly it wasn't as bright yeah people just watch these stars you know and some stars burn constantly they're just pretty stable they're just like a huge fire going off in the sky and burning at the same brightness but other stars are sort of variable stars and they wiggle they go up they go down they go brighter they get dimmer huh it's a, it's like not a not a stable process like it's it's going through some motions. Yeah, and you know, when you're looking at a fire, sometimes the fire burns brighter as it gets to a good bit of fuel and then it dims out a little bit. We can talk a little bit more about the physics of that uh, in a little bit. But people have been watching Beetlejuice for like more than a century and taking some pretty detailed measurements of its brightness. And starting in October 2019, it started to dim. And people thought, oh, it's just going into one of its dimming phases. 
but then it just kept dimming and dimming and dimming. And now it's dimmer than it has ever been seen before in more than 100 years. Uh, oh, okay. So it has dimmed before, but now it's dimming more than ever. Yeah, it used to sort of wiggle up and down a little bit here and there, but now it's much dimmer than it ever has been. Wow. And how do we notice this? Like, are there people looking at every star in the sky all the time? Or is there um, a dedicated Beetlejuice grad student and telescope? <laughs> yeah, we assign one student per star, per and star. that's just your job. <laughs> and you got to hope that, you know, something interesting is going to happen. That's right. Otherwise, you'll never graduate. <laughs> Um, that's sort of my problem with astronomy. I mean, I was always interested. You in have a problem with astronomy. I do. Oh, all I mean, right. A personal one, which is when I was a kid, the thing that attracted me to science and to physics was astronomy. I was like, wow, look, the night sky is amazing. And I got a telescope and I looked at a star. But then after a few minutes, you're just sort of like looking at a dot in the sky. It's not that exciting. Uh, it's not that often that anything interesting happens. And so, <laughs> As opposed to when you smash point particles, you're <laughs> looking at things that are not points. Exciting stuff happens every 25 nanoseconds. So yeah, you got stuff blowing up. Um, it's pretty dramatic in comparison. But you know, oh, right. um, I don't mean to impugn any astronomers. I love astronomy and astronomers. And I'm glad that there's lots of different fields of science and different personalities to go into each different field. It's just not my personal choice. But there are people who do watch the sky and they look for things like supernova. Right? We're always watching to see uh, more supernova are coming because they help us measure the size of the universe and its expansion. So yeah, we have surveys that are constantly watching the sky. Just scanning out there looking for things that change. Like it takes a picture and then takes another picture and compares the two pictures to see if anything has changed. Yeah, there are these very general surveys and that's how you discover things like a new planet or, you know, uh, Oumuamua, something that's coming towards the Earth. But in this case, I think Betelgeuse is a star of interest because it's so big, it's so huge, it's coming near the end of its life, and it has a really interesting pattern of variability. Mm. All right, let's get into more details about our friend Betelgeuse and what could maybe be happening to make it dimmer. But first, let's take a quick break. Physicists are famously sticklers for detail. And when it comes to the fine print contracts and hidden fees from wireless providers, I've learned that there's always a catch somewhere. So when I heard that the Mint Mobile wireless plans are just $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, where's the catch? But now I'm convinced there isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online, so they cut out the cost of retail stores and they pass all those savings directly to you. So you can say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, draw-dropping monthly bills, and unexpected overages. All of Mint Mobile's plans come with unlimited talk and text and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash universe. That's mintmobile.com slash universe. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash universe. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. How do you feel about eating plastic? If you went to a restaurant and saw plastic on the menu, would you order it? Well, turns out that we're all eating and drinking roughly a credit card's worth of plastic every week. Yep, that's right. The products we're using every day are ultimately contaminating our water supply, generating hundreds of microplastics that we end up ingesting. Yuck. Well, what can we do about it? Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet. 
with the same powerful clean you're used to. It's not complicated. Refillable cleaning products without sacrificing on design. Their products have a beautiful, cohesive style that looks great on your counter. My family got the sampler pack and it already smelled great when we opened the box. Everything works super well, stuff gets really clean, and it's all super easy to use. So it's no extra hassle in our lives and we feel great knowing we're generating less plastic waste. Blueland has a special offer for listeners. Right now, get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash universe. You won't want to miss this. Blueland.com slash universe for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash universe to get 15% off. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. All right, Daniel, so Beetlejuice, one of the brightest stars, or what used to be one of the brightest stars in the sky, has been dimming recently, getting less and less bright, and nobody knows why that's happening. Yeah, and there's lots of different kinds of stars out there in the sky, and some of them burn for billions of years, and some just for millions of years. And what we're doing is looking at all of them and trying to understand, like, how many different ways is there to be a star And, you know, there are a lot, like the star that is our sun is not even one of the most typical stars in the galaxy. And some of them are crazy. And Betelgeuse is one of the most extreme stars out there. Really? All right. Tell me about Betelgeuse. Let's get into that a little bit. What do we know about Betelgeuse? And how is it different than our sun? Well, first of all, Betelgeuse is huge. Like it's about 20 times the mass of our sun. So 20 times. Yeah. It's it's an enormous amount of stuff. So we should call it Beetle Huge. <laughs> I don't think it likes when you call it that. You B- know, big old huge, big old huge <laughs> Beetlejuice. It's been trying to cut back recently on the amount of the amount it's of on the hydrogen. Keto. <laughs> it's on the keto astronomical diet. Yeah, and it's not just huge in terms of mass. Like twenty suns is a lot of stuff. It's actually physically just the volume is enormous. It has a diameter of close to a billion miles. Wow. And that's uh, much bigger than uh, our sun, right? Like if, if, if something that big was in our solar system, it would probably take up most of the space. Yeah, exactly. If you put uh, Betelgeuse in place of our sun, then Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, um, even up to Jupiter would be inside the radius of the sun, right? So wow. that would totally be fry all of us. <laughs> we would be, be like, <laughs> like little juiced beetles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not good. So it's huge. It's huge. And, and why is it that big? It's just that's how it happened to be put together? Yeah, the size of a star just depends on, you know, sort of the clumps of stuff that are around to form it. 
and the dynamics of it, whether it breaks off to form its own little cloud and stuff. That's something that people are still really trying to understand is how stars form and what makes stars form. And we have parts of the galaxy where stars are still forming and parts where they're not forming anymore. And that's not something we understand very well. But what we do know is sort of the connection between the size of the star and how long it's going to live. Oh, interesting. You mean um, how bright it is or how big it is? Yeah, the larger the star, the sort of bigger it is, then the brighter it burns and the shorter its life. Like our sun is billions of years old and we expect it to keep burning for another few billion. But Betelgeuse is only eight and a half million years old. It's like a baby. Really? What? Mm -hmm. But You can have a star that young and... Wait, and you're, you're t telling me it's near the end of, it, end of its life. Yeah, stars this size only burn for like 8.6 or 8.7 million years, people think. And this one, it's at 8.5 million. Wow. So these things burn bright and they burn hot and they're huge, but they just don't last as long in the universe. Like the sun is sort of the, the, um, the turtle of stars. It's going to keep burning for a long time after Betelgeuse blows. Interesting. It's kind of like... Um... A career in Hollywood for a Hollywood star. <laughs> I think actually in Hollywood, it's better to be small, isn't it? Isn't thin still in? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you burn bright and then and then nobody cares about you. <laughs> yeah. You're gone. yeah, I think that's probably yeah. a good analogy. All right. So that's Beetlejuice. It's different. It's bigger. It's Beetle huge. And where can I find Beetlejuice? Is it on a uh, constellation that I know? Where, where could I find it if I wanted to see it from Earth? Yeah, it's sort of a Hollywood star because not only is it one of the brightest stars in the sky, it's in one of the most famous constellations. It's in the Orion constellation. So it, it's a big one. Yeah, and it's, um, it's not that close to the Earth. It's like 625 light years away. But that's, I think that's kind of close, isn't it? Isn't it close from relatively uh, astronomical distances? It depends. Yeah. I mean, the galaxy is, uh, you know, 100,000 light years across. So, yeah, it's in our neighborhood. But there are other stars that are, you know, four, five, ten light years away. So there are definitely a lot of stars that are closer. And it's not just in the Orion constellation, I think. Isn't it like the central one? Like if you look at the, the three stars that make up the belt, isn't Betelgeuse one of them, the middle one? I think the managers of the careers of the other stars argue about which is sort of the most important star in Orion. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Betelgeuse is the Beyonce of the Orion constellation. Let's be honest. I mean, I think that without Betelgeuse, it wouldn't really be Orion, you know, it wouldn't really have that sort of magic to it. Um, but I people see. differ. But it is, it is one of the ones in the belt, right? Like, and that's pretty recognizable in the, in the night sky. If you see three stars pretty evenly spaced, that's that's the Orion constellation. Yeah, so Betelgeuse doesn't provide part of the belt, but it's critical, you know, he's the top left shoulder of Orion, and that's his throwing shoulder, I think, and, you know, he's a hunter, and so I think Betelgeuse can make a pretty good argument to being sort of a foundational star. <laughs> and that's why I'm not an astronomer, Daniel. <laughs> Reason <laughs> number what? <laughs> I've lost track. <laughs> Reason number, uh, you don't even need to count them, really. I would just, uh, as a cartoonist, I would just draw it wherever. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We'll fact check that later. All right. So then you guys noticed that it started dimming. And so that's kind of weird, right? Like stars don't just suddenly dim like that so much. Do they? Yeah, well, it's sort of weird, but it's also sort of not weird. And so to understand how weird it is, we have to know what the context is. It turns out there's a huge population of stars out there, like a good fraction of them are variable. 
Some of them do dim and brighten and dim and brighten. And these are stars, we call them variable oh. stars. Yeah. You mean um, there's a lot of stars out there twinkling? <laughs> well, twinkling is actually because the light is um, being mitigated by dust and atmospheric effects and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, so that's what causes twinkling. But there are stars that if you were like in a spaceship near them, you would notice them brighten and then dim and brighten and dim. And some of those stars played a really important role in our understanding of the universe. And I guess that would be weird if our sun did that as well, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would be really weird. We could like have every seasons. six years, we're, we're like, yeah, like solar seasons. Yeah, well, there are some solar seasons, like the sun has an 11-year magnetic um, cycle, I think, where its magnetic field flips every 11 years. And there are seasons when there's more solar wind and less solar wind. But these effects are very small compared to what we're talking about. You know, the sun doesn't significantly brighten and dim compared to what's happening in these other variable stars. It's a really noticeable effect. And so we talked about these stars, these Cephids, recently. These are the stars that pulsate. All right, let's get into that and like what could be happening with Betelgeuse because you guys notice it's dimming and that's kind of unusual and it could mean some pretty um, dramatic things. So what are some possibilities for what could be happening to Betelgeuse? All right, well, I have sort of three categories of explanation for what might be happening to Betelgeuse. Okay, um, and in there you're going to tell tells in order of how alarmed we should be. <laughs> yeah, so the most boring possibilities, right? And then we got the maybe more exciting, crazy ideas. And then we got the alarming, everybody builds a bunker and starts to live underground for the next 100 years <laughs> situation. Everybody start eating Beetlejuice <laughs> and praying to the Gwyneth uh, Paltrow demons out there. That's right, or invest in lentil futures. All right, so what, what are the three possibilities that could be causing Beetlejuice to go dimmer? Right. Well, the first thing to understand, as we've mentioned, is that some stars just do this. They are variable stars. Now, some of them, when this happens, usually it's very regular. So the stars we talked about before, they're stars called Cephids. They pulsate and it's very regular. In fact, the key thing about Cephids is that how fast they pulsate tells you how bright they are at the source. And that's a key thing to knowing like how far away the star is because you have to know how far bright it is at the source compared to how bright it is here that tells you how far away it is. So you make a bunch of measurements, you measure how often it gets dimmer and brighter and dimmer and brighter. It does it sort of like a clock. And that tells you something about how bright it is um, over there near the star. So it's, it's really key for those stars that they are very regular, right? They're variable and something happening inside them to make them pulsate. And these are not stars that are rotating. It's not like a flashlight swinging through the universe that's just flashing over us. It's, it's really like a like a pulsating reaction, kind of. Yeah, it's a radial pulsation. So no matter where you are around the star, you would see it going brighter and dimmer. Betelgeuse is not one of these very regular stars. It's not a Cephid. It has some variation in it. It goes up and it goes down, but it's not like a clock. Okay, so I see. So it's normal for a star to change, to like get brighter and dimmer. But you say most stars sort of do it on a clock, like regularly, but mm -hmm. Betelgeuse maybe mm -hmm. is different. Yeah, Betelgeuse has sort of two different cycles that people have been noticing over the last few decades. It's got like a long cycle that takes about six years to go up and down. And it also has sort of a shorter cycle that's less than a year. And so we don't know what's going on. We don't have an explanation for how Betelgeuse has these two weird cycles in it. Uh. 
You're saying there, it might be two kinds of aliens <laughs> interfering with the star. Fighting inside the star. <laughs> star it's a star war. Yeah. Rise of the Beetlejuice. And uh, for those of you who are interested in like, how can that happen? How can a star burn more brightly and dimly? Remember that it's not just that the star itself is like burning hotter or colder. It's about the light we're seeing from the star. And so sometimes what's happening inside the star can make like the outer shell of the star more opaque because it changes it from like helium two to helium three, or it can make it contract, which makes it heat up, or it can make it expand, which makes it cool down. Whoa. So all this stuff can happen to a star. It's not just about how hot and bright it is. It's about like the shells and the layers. And the folks who study this have these amazing models of these enormous cosmic fusion explosions uh, that they can, frankly, it blows my mind that they can understand them at all. So it, like if you were standing next to the sun, you wouldn't see it get bigger or smaller, you just see it get brighter and dimmer. Well, if you're standing next to one of these stars that is variable, then they no, they do expand and contract. They certainly do. Oh, they do? do. Okay. Yeah, no, they do. Oh. And the outer shell of the star can become more opaque or less opaque. And so what you see from far away is just, of course, is it brighter or dimmer? But there's a lot of really complex stuff going on. It's not just that the star gets bigger and hotter and smaller and colder. Okay. Oh, I see. Yeah. But it's all about sort of the, the mechanics of the reaction inside the star. Like it'll the reaction will sort of lean one way, but then it'll lean the other way. And, you know, things sort of are constantly uh, in flux. Yeah, sort of sloshing back and forth, not in a stable situation. But Betelgeuse has these two cycles, sort of the shorter one and the longer one. And so, you know, the most boring explanation for what's happening in Betelgeuse is that it might just be sort of the combination of these two different cycles happening at the same time, that both are sort of in their dimming mode. I see. It's just like a low point in its career as a star. <laughs> yeah, precisely. But it doesn't really explain it because Betelgeuse has these two cycles that are like on a year and a six-year timeline. Mm -hmm. So you would expect to see those things sort of line up more often than every hundred right. years. Oh, I see. Huh. So there's something else going on here. I think there's probably Maybe. something else going on. There's right. something else alien. to learn. <laughs> Um, there could be another longer timescale variation that's happening. It could be that these two things, when they do line up in some way, they sort of like accentuate each other, you know, but we don't understand the mechanism, the physics behind either one. And so it's hard to, to, to know specifically what might make this happen. All right. So that's possibly A, mm -hmm. is that uh, it's just a normal cycle of, a, you know, hormonal cycle of a teenage star mm -hmm. with uh, crazy moods. Um but then there are other possibilities, some of which we might want to be concerned about. So that's sort of like taking the normal boring stuff and saying maybe it's a little weird. But there's other really weird stuff that does happen to stars that could be explaining this. And, you know, sometimes stars don't just burn happily. They have like, you know, indigestion and you get that, like an enormous <laughs> eruption and it spews uh, stuff into space. A star burp. Yeah. Or you could have like a star quake where like cracks on the surface of the star and internal stuff shoots out and you could get an enormous eruption of plasma. So, you know, it could be that that's what happened. It happened on the other side of the star and it's dimming as a result. This is really just really speculative. Stars are not um, these constant balls of fire. They're, they can have big events. They can have big events, especially big stars that tend to be more dynamic and more violent. And stars near the end of their life, they get to be a little bit less predictable. It's 
sort of as the fire is, is sputtering out. Kind of like that older uncle you have that's just... Um, <laughs> the one who's no longer invited to Thanksgiving. <laughs> does a lot of weird star burps. <laughs> At least now he puts on pants every time he comes to dinner, right? That's an improvement. <laughs> At least when it ejects star material, it has pants on, yes. Yeah, or it could just be some really weird thing happening with the magnetic field of the star. Mm. Uh, you remember what we're seeing is dimming. That doesn't mean that the star is dimmer. It could also mean that there's some like it's ejected some matter, which then cooled and is now blocking our view of the star. I see. Yeah. It could just be winking at us. <laughs> it could be winking at us. Yeah. Uh -huh. Or, of course, you know, my favorite explanation is that there's, <laughs> you know, some awesome civilization out there that's like building some structure between us and Beetlejuice. Or, really? And they've just now closed the blinds. Since, since October. <laughs> You know, it's a long construction project and maybe they've just now started to, you know, ramp this thing up and uh, and turn on their Dyson sphere or whatever. Maybe it's aliens burping too or <laughs> and or flirting with us. Maybe that is how they flirt. Maybe maybe it's alien uncles, you know, and they're grumpy <laughs> they didn't get invited to Thanksgiving dinner. I don't know. But anytime something happens in the night sky that's sort of rapid, that's unusual and changes quickly, then you got to wonder you know, is that a sign of sort of intelligent life of, of somebody's being like activist and constructing something mm. and actively changing the way the universe is organized, not just sort of watching it happen? Okay, so I'm getting that idea A for what might be happening to Beetlejuice is just a normal phase in its cycle. Idea number two is that maybe it's some kind of event that's mm -hmm. happening, like mm -hmm. a quake or a star burp or... Um, an ejection or, or an aliens and or all of those things at the same time. <laughs> aliens causing a star quake because of their burping. That's right. While flirting with you. <laughs> all right, let's get into the third idea for what might be happening to, to Beetlejuice, which might be an explosive idea. A cataclysmic finish to Beetlejuice's <laughs> run on the Hall of Fame. That's right. Not just a burp, but a big boom, perhaps. <laughs> don't, you all, don't we all want to end our careers sort of like Mel Gibson? exploding in a fiery disaster. <laughs> With a big racist rant. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a great way to go out. Beetlejuice, your astronomical racist uncle. All right, let's take a quick break first. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features, like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back, enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. 
Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. The financial universe out there can seem like a vast place full of scary mysteries and exciting possibilities. But it can also be overwhelming to navigate, especially when you're first starting out in life. It feels sometimes like just one wrong turn could send you hurtling endlessly towards a financial black hole. But don't worry, you don't have to navigate the financial universe on your own. With the right tools, you can master the financial universe and chart your course with confidence. Intuit helps you navigate the financial universe through products from Intuit like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit has helped a hundred million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. All right, so Beetlejuice is dimming. It used to be like the number one brightest star in the universe, but now its stock has gone down, Daniel. Yeah, and it's not the number one brightest star in the universe, right? Oh, I see. Yeah. It, to us, to my universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to our, to the Jorge universe. It was one of the top <laughs> Which 10. we all live. <laughs> <laughs> we are all just bit players on your stage, sir. That's right. That's right. But yeah, and we're trying to figure out what could explain that. And we talked about the sort of boring ideas, but there is one more sort of explosive possibility. Mm. All right. Sounds exciting. What else could be happening to Betelgeuse, Daniel? Well, remember that Betelgeuse is a massive star and it's near the end of its life. And what happens to really big stars when they go out is you often get a supernova. So some stars, when they get old, they go into supernova. And you're saying this dimming could be like a sign of that. Yeah. If Betelgeuse is about to go, then, you know, the last few hundreds or thousands of years before it goes supernova could be a little more volatile. It could be hard to predict. And, Mm. you know, Betelgeuse is expected to last, you know, up to maybe another 100,000, 200,000 years. But there's a lot of uncertainty in these predictions for when it will go supernova. Right. I mean, it's like it's eight and a half million years old. What's plus or minus 100,000 years? Yeah, it's basically... For a few months. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's 75 in star years. Right. It's been retired for a while and it's sort of, you know, ready to go. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of why I'm always late with my deadlines, to be honest, Daniel. Is, <laughs> because you're waiting you know, for what's a supernova? A, what's 100,000 years <laughs> in the grand scheme of the <laughs> universe? Nothing. Three nothing. months to a physicist is 100,000 years to a cartoonist. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Just wait for me to go supernova. Yeah. and um, But there's not too much to worry about here for a couple of reasons. One is... When we've seen supernova, the stars don't usually dim just beforehand. Usually they get brighter. Mm -hmm. They like ramp up to the explosion. Yeah, they ramp up to the explosion. And so dimming is not usually a precursor of a supernova. So you don't really have to worry. Now, we don't know because we haven't seen a lot of stars like this, this close go supernova. We don't have a huge amount of data. Um, We just have one, right? Didn't you say? Or we've seen many over the years? We've seen a few supernova over the years. And we've seen a lot of the type 1A supernova um, mm. recently. And so, and since then, we've gotten much better at capturing supernova and seeing more of them. So we don't, but we oh, still, you know, we're talking about hundreds of, of examples, maybe thousands. So this could be uh, a weird I one. See. We're not sure. And, but it's, and none of them have dim right before exploding. Yeah, it's not a typical thing for a star to do just before it explodes. It's not gathering its energy, kind of like a Hadouken <laughs> in... Street Fighter 2. 
finish him. Wait, no, that was the wrong. That was the wrong video <laughs> yeah, game that's reference. The wrong, that's the wrong fighting beat again. But good try, good try. I always wondered why we couldn't have Street Fighter versus Mortal Kombat. You know, like sort of the Ooh. epic balance, the epic challenge. I would buy the video that video game. But the other reason not to worry is that Beetlejuice is sort of far enough away that even if it were about to go supernova, we'd be pretty safe. Okay, it wouldn't. We wouldn't uh, get roasted by this explosion. No, it's 650 light years away. So if there were a supernova, then it would be... <laughs> We'd be good for 652 years, is that, is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, it's not about that. It's not about the time difference. It's just about the fact that the further you are away from the explosion, the less you feel it. It's why in the movies, everybody's always running away from the explosion, right? Because the further you are away, the more the energy, the temperature, the heat, all the radiation has had had chance to dilute to diffuse over a larger volume. Oh, I see. We, uh, But what would we see? Would we see it go bright or would we see like a big fun explosion? What would we see? Well, it's really fascinating. The first thing you would see from a supernova is not the light. You would actually first mm. see the neutrinos. Interesting. If you can see neutrinos. Yeah, and we can see neutrinos because we have neutrino detectors. And uh. fascinatingly, you might wonder, like, how can neutrinos get to Earth before photons, right? Photons travel at the speed of right. light, being Obviously, light. Obviously, mm -hmm. because they travel backwards in time, <laughs> no, Daniel. No, Had you neutrinos. not heard that article? <laughs> <laughs> neutrinos do not travel fast in the speed of light. They do not travel um, backwards in time. They travel almost at the speed of light, but they are emitted first from the supernova. And the reason is that mm. is that the supernova sort of happens from the beginning out and the neutrinos can penetrate the star. They can neutrinos made in the middle of the star can make it out of the star whereas light made in the middle, middle of the star gets absorbed by the star. So mm. you, the supernova sort of makes neutrinos first and then you don't see light from the star until the shock wave of the supernova has hit the surface of the star and then it starts to glow. Oh, I see. Like uh, the explosion has to make it through the star before it actually makes it out. Yeah, so we see neutrinos here on Earth from a supernova before we see the light from it, which is kind of awesome. It's like a pre-warning system. Are you, are you trying to argue for more funding for neutrino detectors? <laughs> you get about two or three hours notice. So oh, it's good. not that much, you know. I'm, what are you going to do in two hours to organize your life? <laughs> I'm going to order more Gwyneth Paltrow products. <laughs> All the ones I've always wanted to order. or And or play um, Street Fighter. Um, but so first we would see an enormous amount of neutrinos. And also things people probably don't understand is that most of the energy of supernova is not emitted in the form of light. Most of it comes out in the form of neutrinos and then in ejecting the mass of the star. Oh. So while we would see a really bright light here on Earth, like the star could be as bright as the full moon in the sky when it eventually does do supernova, that's just mm -hmm. a tiny fraction of the energy it's released. Oh, I see. Huh. But isn't that the stuff that can actually kill you, though? It can kill you because the light that's emitted from the star comes along and it's in x-rays, and x-rays are pretty deadly. But... Beetlejuice is far enough away that by the time the x-rays get here, they'll be dilute enough that our atmosphere can mostly absorb them. So you don't really have to worry. I see. But then it doesn't it shoot other things too? Yeah, most of the mass of the star is actually blown out also. And so Beetlejuice, which is a hugely massive star, remember it's 20 times the mass of the sun, it will blow out something like 10 to the 60 protons. 10 to the 60 protons. Yeah. It'll essentially okay. disintegrate and I mean, some of it will be left behind to form a neutron star or a black hole, but something like half the mass of the star will get blown out into space. 
And so if you're wow. too near that thing, you're just going to get riddled with tiny little proton bullets. Right, which are super dangerous, right? They are super trendy. dangerous, yeah. And, you know, we are mm. constantly being hit by proton bullets from our own star. Not because it's going supernova, it's just sort of a normal thing for a star to do. But these will come at a much higher velocity. The solar wind, the protons just from our sun, come at about 450 kilometers per second, which seems pretty fast. But from a supernova, these things would come at like 10,000 kilometers per second. But again, we don't have anything really to worry about because Betelgeuse is far enough away that the flux will not be very high and our magnetic field should be strong enough to protect us. Remember, charged particles get bent by magnetic fields. And so we have this force field that prevents charged particles from sort of raining down on us. So we don't have to worry about it. But it is. it would be sort of interesting, right? Because I think you were telling me that uh, Betelgeuse, if it goes supernova, which you don't actually when, know if it will. When it right, goes supernova. When, <laughs> now, tomorrow, 650 years, <laughs> when it goes supernova, it would be kind of like the closest supernova to Earth ever. Yeah, it would be the closest one ever to Earth. Um, and, you know, there, there have been supernova in the past and there may have been ones closer to Earth in the past. But if so, they could have like sterilized all life on Earth. And so we're on the watch out for nearby supernovas. This one would be the closest one to Earth, which would be sort of spectacular from the point of view of astrophysics, but not close enough to fry us. Uh, would, we, would we see it in the night sky? Would, like, would it look cool? Would you see an explosion or would you just see the star get brighter from our point of view? You might see with a telescope some interesting features because Betelgeuse is not only one of the brightest stars in the sky, it's one of the biggest. And so it sort of takes up the largest area in the sky of any star in the night sky. When a star goes supernova, it makes this ring and explodes out. It's like not just like a Michael Bay movie. It's beautiful. Right. And so you might be able to see that with a telescope in your backyard. Plus, it would be really bright. It would be as bright as the full moon. So that should be pretty cool. And it could happen at any moment or maybe... We would see it, we could see it at any moment, but technically if it happened, it would already have happened, right? Because it's so far away. Yeah, this thing is 650 light years away. And so anything we're seeing today happened 650 years ago. Um, so we can blame it on whoever was alive on that back then for whatever they did to trigger it. And um, <laughs> so we're looking into the past for sure. Um, but it could happen at any time, right? We don't really understand how these stars work. I think most astronomers think it's more likely to happen in 100,000 years than tomorrow. But, you know, astronomers also weren't expecting Betelgeuse to dim this much. So it's not like they really understand the insides of the star that well. All right. So it sounds like our mystery, why Betelgeuse is going dimmer, is a TBD, to be determined. I mean, we don't really have a good explanation for it, but it's happening and it's happening right now. It's going dimmer. Yeah, it's probably not a signal that aliens are coming. It's unlikely that it's going to go supernova <laughs> tomorrow or next week or next year. But it's uh -huh. very likely that we're going to learn some interesting astrophysics. We're going to learn about how these enormous cosmic furnaces blow and how they burn and how they change. And so astronomers will keep watching and see, is it going to keep getting dimmer? Is it going to go brighter again? It's like everybody wants to know the answer to this, this question, the, the end of this story. And every day, every week, they keep watching it just to see, like, what's it going to do today? It's exciting. It's really amazing to me that something like a sun, a star, I mean, it's so bright, uh, but you, we don't really know what's going on inside of it or, how, you know, all the mechanisms inside and what makes it burn or, or dim like this. 
Yeah, well, it's amazing to me that you would think we could understand it. I mean, it's like 10 to the 58 protons. I can hardly understand what happens when two protons interact with each other. It's incredible <laughs> to me that plasma physicists and astrophysicists can do the magnetohydrodynamics to understand a system like that. It's crazy to me. It's impressive. I'm in awe of those folks. Yeah, pretty good for some couch potatoes. Huh? <laughs> pretty good for some couch potatoes. Turns out, sit on your couch and think about the universe. You can learn some things. Yeah, and be very comfortable at the same time. <laughs> and they probably have the best snacks. Astronomers, really good snacks. <laughs> they stay up late all the time. Drink lattes <laughs> made out of coffee beans. And alien milk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you mean like the green milk in the that Star Wars movie? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but every milk that's not cow milk tastes like alien milk to me. My wife likes this <laughs> macadamia nut milk. Oh, I can't even. All right. Well, um, lactic products discussions aside. Um, lactic it seems or like galactic? <laughs> galactic and galactic <laughs> discussions aside. It's, it's all coming together. The Milky Way, go. the milk in your coffee. <laughs> of course. It's all part of, the, part of the same crazy universe. That's right. And the same crazy podcast. Mm -hmm. So keep watching the skies and we'll keep learning about the universe. Thanks for joining us. See you next time. If you still have a question after listening to all these explanations, please drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Daniel and Jorge, that's one word, or email us at feedback at danielandjorge.com. Thanks for listening, and remember that Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home, too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details.